0: Good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing this morning? Good. All right. So uh, I'm JD and I get um, to be um, y'all's guest speaker for the next four weeks as we cover Advent. Woo woo. So, yay. Super excited. All right. So if you were like me, <coughs> excuse me. Um, You grew up in a tradition where we did not celebrate the church calendar. I grew up Southern Baptist, as many of you know, and that's not something that we did. We didn't celebrate things like Lent and Advent and Pentecost and the Epiphany. And we didn't use colors in our sanctuary and all that stuff. That was crazy. (laughs) At least that's what we were taught. (laughs) And, uh, And so... We didn't grow up learning about the the Sundays of Advent. And so if you were like me and you grew up like that, I'm going to give you a quick little synopsis of what that is. If you are a person that grew up in a church that did celebrate it, you're already caught up and you understand the beautifulness that is Advent. The symbolism of the colors and the symbols and the candles and all of that stuff, all right? (coughs) Excuse me. Now, um, today is the first Sunday of Advent. There's four Sundays of Advent. That's why there are four candles around the outside and there's one candle on the inside. And the candle on the inside is considered the Christ candle. That is the one that all all the other candles get lit by. It symbolizes Jesus. That's also why it's white. Okay? So each Sunday, we will light another candle as we celebrate another focal point of the Advent story. Now, Advent means coming, it means to, to come. And so when we say the advent is what we're celebrating, we're actually looking at when Christ came to the earth the first time as a baby, Bethlehem, the angels, the whole, you know, that, that whole thing. So that's what we're looking at when we say advent. When we sing it in a song, that's talking about his coming, okay? That he is coming back as well. And that's what we're going to focus on today is his second advent, all right? Another thing that you might not know is the word Emmanuel, that was a name that was given in the Old Testament, a symbolic name of Jesus. It means God with us. So when we say, "Oh come, O oh come, Emmanuel, we're saying, "Oh come, oh come, God be with us. So at Christmas time, we use some churchy words, and if you just didn't grow up in the church knowing those words, let's go ahead and bring you up to speed to where it's like, oh. Oh, I can sing, O come, oh come, Emmanuel. I get it now. Rod of Jesse. What does that mean? Well, the rod of Jesse was one of the prophetic titles given to Christ. Because Jesse, if you know, was King David's dad. And David is the king whom Christ's lineage came through, his physical earthly lineage. So to say the rod of Jesse is to say a descendant from Jesse, which would have been David's dad. Does that make sense? So there's a lot of symbolism like that that we're going we're to gonna kind of look at and make sure that everybody's like, wait a minute, what does that mean? It's okay to ask. Satan, he's the bad guy. If you don't know that, let's cover the basics. <coughs> Satan is the bad guy, okay? All right. Um, yeah, so today is the first day of Advent, like we said, and today is the day of hope. Today, the candle of hope. Is lit Over here on this wall, we have our first stained glass window. And it's of an Old Testament prophet. You see, the day of hope is the day that we celebrate the Old Testament's promises that Christ was going to come and rescue Israel. It was everything that geared up to Christ coming as a baby. And so let's, uh, let's look at Genesis 3.15. <clears throat> now I have like 12 scriptures today. So if you want to stick up there, understand. If you're a note taker and you want to write it down and go back and read them later, that's fine. Genesis 3.15, Bible drill and go. Alright? This is the very first prophecy that Christ will come. This is Eve is being spoken to by God and God tells her... I will put enmity between you and the woman... I'm sorry, God's speaking to the the snake. To Satan, the bad guy. And he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. That means offspring, okay? And he will bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Meaning, Christ will come and squish your head, but before he does, you're going to get him on the heel. It's symbolic of the crucifixion. It's symbolic of, yeah, you might you might get him to the cross but he's going to get you in the end because after the cross comes the grave. That's the very first Old Testament prophecy of Christ coming to save his people. And they keep going. Another one is Jeremiah 23 verse 5. Jeremiah 23 verse 5. It says, Behold The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. Now we're not talking about an actual twig, are we? We're talking about family tree genealogy. Remember what we said about Jesse's rod? David's branch, same thing, meaning Jesus. And he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. There's all sorts of Old Testament prophecies pointing... ...Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. <laughs> one of the more specific ones about the Christmas story is in Micah. Micah chapter 5 verse 2, it says this. But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathath... ...too little to be among the clans of Judah. For, from you, one will go forth for me to be a ruler in Israel... His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. See, even pointing to Jesus' deity, the aspect that Jesus is God, even in that Micah passage, they were still pointing to Christ is God. Guys, in fact, the Old Testament, there are over 350 prophecies about Christ coming back and what he would do that Jesus fulfilled all of. You see, and and it turns out, he did come to earth. (laughs) You see, one of the reasons that Advent focuses on the Old Testament prophecies is because it's showing us God kept his word. God is faithful to his people. He's never lied to you. He's never known defeat. He's never broken a promise. Our God is faithful That's why Advent focuses this first Sunday on, whoa, whoa let's get a, a foundation here. Our hope in Christ is based on Christ's character. Our hope in Jesus is based on the noble, righteous, holy, unwavering character of our God. You don't believe promises of someone you can't trust, do you? That's ridiculous. You see, if you don't have faith in God because you don't know who he is, how can you take a donkey to Bethlehem and trust him? How can you listen to an angel tell you that you're preggers when you're what, 14, 15? (coughs) The rest of the Advent story, shepherds, how are you going to trust that there is a baby lying in a feed trough in Bethlehem that you need to go worship? Unless you already know the Word of God that you've already placed the hope in because you know who said it. Do you see? (laughs) The entire Christmas story hinges on we must know that our God is faithful and true and righteous and good and never wavering. That's the foundation. That's why today's candle is the candle of hope. Because we put our hope in him. And guess what? He showed up, Ashley. Let's look at some of the scriptures that talks about it. Colossians 1, 15 through 17. <coughs> Colossians 1, 15 through 17. It says, he is the, we're talking about Jesus here. He is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation firstborn means the one that rules the one that has all authority okay for by him all things were created for by him all things were created he was in genesis 1 when it says god created guess what they're talking about god the son it says it, it says it in the book of john 2 doesn't it for in him all things were created by him and for him, right? It says both in the heavens and the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. That whole little section means all the spiritual people that we don't see, all the creatures that we don't want to see, that are like the eyes and the wings and the scare. we don't want to see. That's what that means when it talks about thrones, dominions, rulers and authorities. That's spiritual things, creatures that we don't want to see. Like Keep the veil on this side, all right? But what it's saying right there is he's even in charge of those things. He's even the boss of massive things like seraphim and cherubim. Those things that we talked about in in equipment class today, right? (coughs) Things that are way bigger than we've ever seen. Archangels and all those things that are way above our pay grade. He's ruler over them. He created them and he's their boss. Showing just how much he is in charge of things. Whether thrones, dominions, or rulers, or authorities, but things uh, have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and all things hold, and in him all things hold together. All right? Matthew 1, and 23. I love this verse. This is a really, really cool verse. <laughs> it says, now all this took place, all of this meaning the, the, the Christmas story. All of this took place. The Mary, uh, Gabriel coming to Mary and the Virgin being, you know, pregnant and all all of this it came place. I love this and was spoken by the Lord through the prophets. Behold, the Virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel. Remember what that means? God with us, which translates to uh-huh, God with us. <laughs> Scripture, <laughs> right? <coughs> So he's not only saying, I'm going to come, but he's showing up. And it's God in human skin. It's not God the Father, it's God the Son in human skin. And it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Let's look at one more scripture, 1 Peter 2.24. Now we find out why he showed up, right? And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross... So that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by His wounds we are healed. I I read a quote several years ago and I absolutely love this quote and it's solid. A lot of people misunderstand why Jesus came, Brandon. A lot of people think Jesus came to make bad people good. That's ridiculous. Jesus came to bring dead people to life. Because bad people to good means we're in it. And and we need to polish ourselves up and make ourselves better. And Jesus looked at us and went, "Oh no babies, I'm going to do it. That way you can't mess it up. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) You want to talk about why I don't believe in works-based salvation? Besides the fact that, you know, Scripture doesn't say it works? I don't want to be put in charge of that I can mess something up, big Al. Because we know I can mess some things up. I ain't even doing that. I love, I love that Jesus is like, no, sweethearts, I got this. Just get in the pickup truck, okay? I'm driving. You just get shotgun. I love that. I love that. I don't have to worry about getting lost anymore. <laughs> Both types. Yeah, amen. That one worked out. <clears throat> you see, God, he held his promises. And he came to earth. He was born of a virgin. He lived a completely sinless life. Now we're talking God and human skin. This is beautiful. He goes to the cross because he knows that we can't do it. Right, Laura? He knows we can't do it. I can't even keep my house clean, let alone my soul. Amen? Amen. Goodness gracious. And he said, no, I know you can't do it, sweetheart. I know that even on your best day, it's it's filthy, bloody rags. I got you. I got you. I created you. Isn't it good to know that us goobers are, he knows that we're goobers and he's like, no, man, I got you. Well, you you're good. Isn't that, it's, it's encouraging, isn't it, Ryan? Because <laughs> I, I, I would mess up a system that I had to be, I had to be on the ball. I would totally mess that up. And Jesus came and he said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm coming because you can't get to me. It's the one defining factor. Believers in Christ, listen to me. It's the easiest evangelism tool in the world. The one thing that sets us apart. No, no, I can't even let us take credit for it. The one thing that sets our God apart. When you compare him with any other system of belief, And there are thousands of them. Every single system of belief is man trying to do something to get to God. Prayers, sacrifices, alms, giving, uh, missionary trips. You have to eat this or you have to do this. or All the things. You have to wear this, or you have to be baptized like this, or you have to read this certain Bible, or you have to attend this church. All the things when God is the only one. When you compare all religions, it says, no, 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 no. I don't want to set up a system of you trying to get to me. I'm going to set up a system of me coming to you. Because that's the only thing that will work. Because it's by my righteousness that you will receive righteousness. It's by my grace that you will receive grace. It's by my forgiveness that you will receive forgiveness. And that's beautiful, isn't it, Cassie? Because that means we can't mess it up. All we can do is not believe and trust in it. And that is encouraging. Or at least it should be. Because then, Delora, we don't have to go, but what if? But what if about this? Or what about this? Or what if I didn't say this right? Or wear this right? Or do this right? Or speak this right? It's not about us. It's about the cross. We, didn't, we weren't on the cross, were we? He was. And so we can trust in his character on the cross just like the Old Testament prophets and the Israelites trusted in his character that he would come back. He did come back, because he's a God that keeps his word. Even when it's hard, he keeps his word. Even when it's confusing, he keeps his word. Our God knows no defeat. There's never been a day where he woke up and went, Satan won that one. Right? There's never a day that shocks him. You see, but today we also need to look at the second advent, the second coming of Christ. When I was preparing for this message, and I'm praying, and I'm like, "All right, Lord, like what, what are we gonna, what are we doing here? Like, give me direction. I, I, I don't want this to be mine. I want this to be yours. And so, what do you, what do you want? And He says, "Tell the people to get ready for the second advent." I grew up in a culture, <laughs> and I shared this with my equipping class today. I grew up in a, in a family that, for for the most part, we were believers in Christ. My mother's family was believers in Christ. And, you know, we, we went to church and we sang songs like I'll Fly Away and When We All Get to Heaven. And, you know, uh, there's a new name written down in glory. And it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. I mean, that was our world. And so when we had a funeral... We had a family cemetery. And, and I mean, I could take you to the cemetery and, and I have like, there's my grandparents and there's my great-grandparents and there's my great-great-grandparents and there's my other great-great-grandparents. I mean, it, it was that kind of thing. So a, a funeral in our family cemetery was like a reminder of revival because I'm going to see Marnie and I'm going to see Granddaddy and I'm going to see, you know, Pawpaw Samp and I'm going to see all these people that, because they've accepted Christ and they're in glory now. <clears throat> and so I was raised... With heaven ingrained, put your mind on heaven and let everything else work its way out. And I feel like, as one of our wonderful praise band members said today in a quipping class, it was glorious, he said, I feel like we've traded the songs of beautiful truth for 7 Eleven, seven seven words that we sing 11 times. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, that's beautiful. Not, I love Josh to death, that's not, like the church as a whole, not just South Point. Because we have lost a bit of that reminder of of the truth of, of, hey, heaven is coming. I love the, in O'Manuel, I love the the word that talks about throwing off the gloominess. Because that's what the Lord was really pressing on my heart, was we must set our face towards heaven again. We must stop looking down and look And you go, yeah, but J.D., why? Why do we need to look to heaven? Because Jesus told us to. You see, the Messiah returns a second time. And in in the same way that Israel had to put their hope in his character and his promises, we must put our hope in our Savior's character and his promises that he is coming again. Let's look at some of them. John 14, 1 through 4. It says, do not... Hold on, I'll wait, sorry. Megan, John 14, 1 through 4. Thank you, love you. (laughs) Now let's look at it. Do not let your heart be troubled. Sermon's ended, amen, let's go home. But, Don, that's true. And then if Jesus is in there going, hey, I got this. Don't let your heart get troubled. You know what that means? Don't let your heart get troubled. You know what that means? Don't let your heart get troubled. He is either your God or he's not. You either trust in him or you do not. If he is on his throne of your heart, don't let your heart be troubled. Yeah, but no, get over yourself. He's king. He is either king or you will be king. And if he is king, do not let your heart get troubled. But what about, no, stop making excuses why Christ cannot be sovereign. He is either king or he's not. And he's king, so get over yourself. I'm speaking to myself too. Please hear me on that. The Lord has schooled me over this sermon. In a most beautiful way. (coughs) Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God and also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, you may also be. And you know the way that where I am going. That is beautiful. That's a table flipper right there now. That's beautiful, but it gets better, Ronnie. (coughs) Mark (coughs) 13, 24 through 27. But in those days after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers that are in heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And he will send forth angels and gather together his elect from the four winds, from the furthest ends of the earth to the furthest ends of the heavens. And you go, wait a minute, that doesn't seem happy. I got news for you. For us, it will be. (coughs) For us, it will be. The Gaithers have a beautiful song. There is coming a day. When no tears shall fill the eye. Do you know it? What a day, glorious day that will be. It Talks about when Jesus comes back. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see and I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. And he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day, that will be. I'm going to tell you something though, there's a lot of people on that day that are not going to be called to the clouds. That's why it's gloomy. Because some of those people we know, some of those people we share a home with, some of those people we work with, Some of those people we just ate Thanksgiving with. (coughs) Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. I've taught this to youth groups. I used to be a youth pastor 20 years off and on. And I would tell my youth groups, if you don't remember anything else, remember this. Some of you heard me say it. Christ said he's coming back. And 1 Thessalonians says he's going to meet us in the clouds. And Matthew says he's going to meet us in the clouds. And there's a couple other scriptures that says he's going to meet us in the clouds. If there's ever a guy that stands on this earth and puts his boots on dirt, I don't care if he does works and miracles and wonders. I don't care if he makes monkeys fly out of his backside. I churched it up. I did, didn't I, Miss Cheryl? I churched it up. <coughs> My grandmother would have smacked me, Lord. <laughs> Point is, I don't care what he does. I don't care if you go, but he has power. Fantastic. Demons have power. Jesus said, I will meet you in the clouds. What that means is if anyone stands on this plane, on this terra, on this earth, and says, I am the second coming of Jesus... You do not believe in him at all. Jesus said, I will call my people in the clouds. The Antichrist can't do that. Don't think I'm making a small point. If you catch nothing else of the sermon, catch that. Jesus promised to meet us in the clouds. Let's look what it says. <laughs> this is Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica. He says, But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. That means the believers in Christ who've already fallen asleep, meaning they've died. Okay? Because they were like, Oh my God, are they going to heaven? Are they? What, what's going on? He's like, No, no, no. I don't want you to be ignorant about the people that have already passed away that were in Christ. Yet you, yet you sorrow not, even as others have no hope. For we, if we believe in, that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which are asleep in Jesus will, will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the words of the Lord are, that we which alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first then we which are alive and remain (coughs) listen to this shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air so that we uh, excuse me so shall we ever be with the Lord Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. There is coming a day where the clouds will roll back and the saints of glory will be with God in the clouds, and there will be a shout and a trumpet. And dead Christians will climb out of the grave and be caught up into the clouds. And we will be caught up into the clouds as well. And we will go home. My brothers and sisters in Christ. When was the last time that you got so excited and so heartfelt and so warm when you started thinking about glory, when you started thinking about heaven, and those, those saints up there, our grandmas, that are going to, oh, stop it. There are people that we wait to see. I think Shuby will be hiding behind a, ba- a bush miles away from the gate because he's going to have lots of people that are going to punch him. In the name of Jesus, amen. (laughs) (coughs) The angels, the glory, the saints of old. I had a dream, it was about 10 years ago. Best dream I've ever had in my life. I had died in my dream, obviously. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) And I was standing at the gates, those massive gates. And they were beautiful, it was so bright. And the gates opened. And all the people that I've been wanting to see for years were standing there. My, my grandma and my grandpa, and my other grandma and my other grandpa and my cousins. And, you know, just great grandparents. I mean, just the, the people that I've been wanting to see for so long. And I knew in my heart I wanted to hug every one of them. I mean, I wanted to like do the slobbery ugly girl winning prom queen kind of cry. Like ah, you know, that like I wanted to lose it. <coughs> and they had a they were in two groups, but through the groups I saw Jesus. And he was, he was like from here to the road, from here to like Buffalo Guy. I mean he was a ways. And he he just kind of did this number. He cocked his head a little bit in the dream. And I'm not telling you I'm had a vision from no, no no just a dream. And immediately I felt him say, You'll get to me. Say hi to them. And as much as I want to see those people that are in the family of God with me, I pushed them out of the way and I started running. And I'm a fat man, I don't like to run. Running and peas are of the devil. <coughs> I got scripture on my side. It says those who run without being chased. We've talked about that, Kristen. I'm praying for you. <laughs> but I started running. And I mean running. I mean running in my dream the hardest that I've ever ran. And as I'm running... In my head, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm fixing to tackle Jesus. I mean, there is nothing I am not holding back. I mean, I am running with all my might. And he opened up his arms, and I tackled him, and it was like running into a brick wall because he didn't move. And he threw his arms around me. I have never in my life experienced a more beautiful moment because I knew I was home. I was where I was meant to be I was in the presence of my king of my savior I didn't care about the people at the gate I'll get to them later no more sickness no more pain no more hurt is a bonus angels and golden streets that's a bonus Jesus that's what heaven is about. And I feel like we've forgotten that. I feel like we forget that daily. (coughs) Some of us are so concerned with looking down at life and bills and drama and Facebook and work drains us and families drain us and bills drain us. Jesus doesn't drain us, heaven doesn't drain us, heaven fills us. Jesus fills us. And that is what the candle of hope should mean to us. That flame does not represent a baby in a manger to me anymore. That flame represents the day that I will lay my eyes on my Savior. We're gonna have fun, ain't we? Ashley's in my section of heaven. We're gonna throw party after party after party after party, and some of y'all gonna be invited. All right, all 'all y'all gonna be invited. You doing the dishes though, all right? (coughs) Are we sharing that with people, Paul? Are we sharing our excitement for heaven? Or sometimes our longing, sometimes we long for it, don't we? Sometimes we're, we're grieved because we want to be home, don't we, Don? We want to be there. Some of you might go, uh, I don't know Jesus like that. Okay. That's what next Sunday is all about. The candle of faith. But I would be a fool if I didn't stop and say, I got news for you. If you don't know Jesus like that, if you're not waiting to see Him, not as your judge, not as the heavy, not as the guy that's going to scold you when you get to heaven, but if you cannot sit here and think of a time where you are so excited to get to heaven to throw your arms around your Savior and God and King and friend, (coughs) maybe today, maybe today is about Him coming to you now. Maybe today is about you getting things right before you see those gates. Because I got news for you. Scripture's clear. If we die and we do not have Him as our God, our Savior, our Lord, which means we obey and follow... if we do not have the God that sings over us when we sleep, if we don't know Him, I mean know Him, you will not see those gates. You will not feel that beautiful, beautifulness of being home in the arms of your Lord and Savior. Jesus is clear. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. that's you and you know that you haven't done that I'm not talking church attendance church attendance cannot die on the cross for you I'm not talking about you've been you know you've gone to church all your life and you've read the bible and you've been baptized and you've been you've taken communion and you've I, I don't care what classes no none of that can die on the cross for you only Jesus died on the cross for you therefore Jesus is the only way to get to heaven Jesus is the only way to get to him I'm not going to tell you, pray some cheesy prayer that's not in Scripture. I'm going to tell you what Scripture says. Jesus says, call on me. Jesus says, believe in me. He also says, if you love me, obey me. But if you're sitting there and you know that you've never, ever asked him... You've never ever had a moment where you're like, Jesus, I want you because I want to have that day where I see you and I'm home in your arms. Then ask him today. And then live it tomorrow. And the, next, and the 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 next. Until you see those kingdom gates open up and your Lord and Savior is standing there waiting on you to come home in his arms. Let's pray. (coughs) Lord Jesus, Father, I know that in this room there are people that know you. There are people that know you and love you and serve you. There are people that are excited about the thought of heaven and your glorious arms being wrapped around them, Lord. Jesus, I know also that you say that there are some that will say, Lord, Lord, I did all these things in your name, and you're going to look at them and say, I don't know you. Because the road is narrow, and few find it. And that tells me, Father, that there are people in this room also that might have been playing church, or might have been trusting in man's traditions to save them, instead of your blood instead of your grace and your mercy. Father, I pray that if there is anyone in this room that does not know you as Lord and Savior and King, I pray that they would call out to you. They would accept you as their Lord, make you their King and follow you for the rest of their days that you would forgive them of their sins, Lord. And one day, when they take their last breath, and they open their eyes in glory, and they see you, nothing will stop them from running to you with reckless abandonment, throwing their arms around you, and knowing, That their home, not in heaven, but in your arms, Jesus. I ask these things the name of my King. Amen.